1: We are optimistic, light-hearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect
0: that. In this week's show, we are discussing how to eat and train around your menstrual cycle, and we are very excited to talk about this. This is really a
1: cornerstone of what you do and how you want women to think about training as kind of a holistic process. When you initially explained this to me, I thought it was such a novel concept And I honestly was so surprised that I hadn't heard about it before. It makes total sense. At different points in your cycle, you feel differently, don't you? You have more energy at certain points. You feel more sluggish at other points. So therefore, what way you move counts. Yeah. But not only that, your eating with those energy levels
0: is hugely important it should not be a shock to us as women. Oh, it would make sense to train with your hormones, not against them, which is essentially what happens when you completely ignore your menstrual cycle. And this can make a massive difference to everything. It's not just to your training, though. This is what's really exciting. It's to your eating, like you've just said, but it's to your mood. It's to how you feel. Yeah. It's so weird we haven't been trained to think of our bodies in that way because
1: from the age of early teens, Mm -hmm. I was 12. Everyone has their number when they started. This pattern of Mm. hormones ascending and descending controls a lot of our levers. Yeah. You have said before that women are different. Women aren't just little men. When you're looking at a diet plan, for example, it doesn't seem to take into account that we do have hormonal shifts. In the main, it's just like, do this three times a week, regardless of the week. We all know how hard it is at certain times to get the motivation to get off the couch or not to eat the chocolate. And, and we scold ourselves as a result of that. But I think by the end of this, hopefully we, we can take that scolding out of it because oh. we are not weak-willed. We
0: are just working against our own bodies and not succeeding. Yes. Imagine if you were constantly working against the tide. You're never going to get anywhere. And this is what happens when you train in a way that isn't appropriate for the stage of the cycle that you're at. This is what is amazing. If our cycle controls who we are, which basically it does without trying to get too deep in it, we need to go with it in training, food, everything. What's amazing is you have now got really high-level professional athletes talking about the effect of their menstrual cycle on their um, ability to perform. So you've got people like Dina Asher-Smith, incredible GB Olympian. She's spoken out about the need for more research to look at the impact of periods on athletic performance. You've had high-profile cases like Mary Kane, who's a US athlete, she was training with the Nike Oregon project. And basically she was getting pressurized to lose weight so much that she stopped getting her period for three years. And it used to be that it was considered normal for women to not get their period. And that was considered to be a sign of good training. And it was, oh yeah, yeah, no, you just, you just don't get your period. That's what happens when you train well. Oh yeah, that's completely normal. So much so that Shalane Flanagan, who's an elite marathon runner, in 2017, she actually put a tweet out saying she'd never missed a menstrual cycle. Now that doesn't sound like a big deal. The point she was making was, I've never missed a menstrual cycle, so I'm healthy, is what she was saying. And five months after she put that tweet out, she won the New York City Marathon. Her point was, you can be an incredible athlete, you don't need to train so much that you lose your cycle. You've also got Jessica Ennis-Hill, you've got Maisie Hill who wrote the book Period Power. It's really important that people are speaking up about this because it's massive. Isn't it amazing that they've taken the female form in the
1: scenario, I suppose, a high-level sport and said, well, how can we make it as close to the male body as we can? Yes. It is concerning when women stop getting their menstrual cycle. Mm. It's a sign that things aren't going right. Absolutely. the fact that, that... that particular industry was driving towards that it's just its just a sign that you know there has to be more education around us because oh, absolutely. if we don't have periods we don't have our normal hormonal function if you don't have mm-hmm. your normal hormonal function you're not probably getting the testosterone you need to build the muscles to move faster mm-hmm. you're not getting the estrogen that is helping with your bone strength you're mm-hmm. not getting that beautiful progesterone that helps you sleep so mm-hmm. they're kind of working counter to the female form Yeah. Yeah. And we
0: know this now. About five years ago, this was not talked about. You've hit the nail on the head. It's the knowing about it, it's the funding of the research into it so we can learn more about it. It's then the dispelling of the information. And then it's the people actually acting on the information and taking it seriously. And because it's women's health, it doesn't tend to get prioritized. But the good news is there are now people speaking out about training across your cycle. I love this because it's using your cycle as like this superpower. If you can get everything in sync with your cycle, you are optimizing yourself as a human being. It's this incredible thing. If you can match everything up, then you are performing to the best of your ability rather than swimming against yourself. And it's just this incredible thing. It must just start with tracking. Yeah. If you're not tracking by now, then (laughs) you need to start tracking. (laughs) You need to start tracking. I would also like to kind of put in brackets here, we know not all our listeners have cycles because of things like PCOS, um, endometriosis can play havoc, we do appreciate that. What I would say is, please try and track anyway, because there might actually be little things that are going on that you don't notice. For example, I remember when I was having 36, 39 day cycles. Now, if you'd asked me, I would have said there is absolutely no pattern going on here whatsoever. But actually, when I started to track it, I realized there was. It was just an incredibly long cycle. Start tracking. Hopefully, you can figure out which phase of your cycle you're actually at. And then you can implement the advice on how to train at different phases of your cycle. You're tracking, Rhea, I believe that you start like day
1: one being the first day of your period fresh bleed. Here we go. There it is. Back pain. Mm-hmm. You've got the spot. <laughs> oh, you have. You've got the chin spot.
0: That I still get the chin spot. It... Oh, forever. Forever. I often think if anyone was paying attention to women, they would know just by looking at them <laughs> what part of the cycle they were at. Day one, period. Now, I'm going to say something, Roshin, that might blow your mind. Are you ready for this? Okay. When you're on your period, other than the kind of physical inconvenience of being on your period, this is actually an awesome time for you to train. And this is actually the time where a lot of people get personal bests. At this point, your hormones basically are a lot lower, which means, and I, I don't, I already don't like what I'm about to say, but you'll understand why I'm going to say it. It means this is the point where you are most like a man. Sure. The feminist in me doesn't love that sentence in any way, shape or form, but I'm trying to get across the kind of biology that's happening here. In terms of you being at your peak physical fitness, being on your period is actually a really good time. Other than, and I I can hear people yelling at me, other than things like the heavy bleeding and the cramps, hormonally, you're actually at your peak here. And a lot of women will go out, they will lift really heavy, they'll run really fast and they will get their personal bests when they're in this stage of the cycle. Is that because all the hormones are present and low? Yeah, you haven't got any really high peaks and your body's obviously shedding the lining from the uterus. So it's not putting in loads of energy to build the uterus lining up, which I will come on to later, even though it is massively inconvenient. And I do know that lots of people have incredibly heavy periods, but hormonally, you're actually in a really good place. And for some people, when you can get past, I always think day two for a lot of people is a shocker when it comes to the period. It's like your body's really revved up and it's like, come on, you know, let's get it all out. Once you can get past that really uncomfortable bit, hormonally, you're in a really good place. If you can get yourself to get up and and start working out. I understand that everyone's cycle is a different length, Mm -hmm. but how long on average do the hormones remain low? Your period is its officially part of your follicular phase. It's the first part of your cycle. Because even though you are shedding the lining of your uterus, your body is now gearing up for ovulation again. You are in that first part of your cycle. So the first few days, your hormones are relatively low oestrogen will then start to rise as you get closer to ovulation with your luteinizing hormone and your follicle stimulating hormone. In this follicular phase, this is the kind of cheery, happy, full of energy bit of your cycle. So the first couple of weeks, really. But as you get closer to ovulation, your hormones are beginning to peak again because we want that lovely egg to be released from your follicle. This is why the actual period bit, so the five to seven days or however long your period is for, like I'm saying, other than the actual bleeding bit, hormonally, A lot of people are actually feeling really good right now, if you can try and separate the two, which can be hard. During that, we'll say day one to
1: day seven, when Mm. you have a certain amount of flow still going, what kind of food would you recommend and what kind of training would you recommend?
0: Yeah, so food-wise... This is where you really want to get in your dark leafy greens, your vegetables, nuts. I mean, if if you can go for it, seaweed is a winner here. Do you like seaweed, Roisin? I love seaweed. Anyone that likes sushi, this seems to be your time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. This is the sushi time. That is a very good way of putting it. And the reason being is we want lots of iron. So for obvious reasons, if you are bleeding, this is where people might feel the effects of low iron. Iron obviously is linked to your energy levels. So you want foods that are going to boost your iron levels and also boost your magnesium levels as well. And um, bananas also good here and dark chocolate. So my clients will be delighted because I'm always banging on about dark chocolate. I love dark chocolate. Turkey, beans, spinach obviously is a massive one. The other thing is hydration. People always forget about hydration, but you must drink lots and lots and lots and lots of water. And then you might have teas, your chamomile teas, red raspberry leaves and nettle tea are also really useful in this stage because they can help with things like cramps. Key things to avoid are obviously your fatty foods, but alcohol, not good. Caffeine, again, you're going to try and minimise the caffeine and salty foods as well. So, yeah, lots of lovely vegetables, leafy greens, lovely dark chocolate. Um Avocado is another good one as well. And lots and lots of water. And what kind of exercise would you go for? A lot of people would instantly assume that you shouldn't be doing any exercise when you're on your period. But other than the physical, practical aspects of it, you can really go to town here. So this is a really good time where you might actually be feeling really strong, which means you can work out heavier. So you can be lifting the heavier weights. You can do your big kind of high energy workouts. These are the ones where if you're in the gym and you've got someone on the workout area, they're really going for it. You know, they're smashing the burpees, they're doing BOSU burpees, they're doing dumbbell thrusters, they're doing the the plyometrics, which is the box jumps. This is the time where you can do all of those things because you've got the energy levels to do it. But what you must remember is because you're working really hard, you also have to refuel. And this is obviously part of the nutrition because your muscles will be tired. And again, the good news is this is where eating things like the green leafy vegetables, they help with the iron from your period, but they're also really good for recovery as well. The foods that you're eating are like the medicine for your body for both the period, but also the big heavy workouts that you're doing as well. And you must rest. We've spoken before about how a good workout program will factor in rest days because they help physically with muscle growth, but you don't want to get injured because you're doing these big, heavy workouts and your body's working hard. So you've got to build the rest days in. I always think when you're incredibly crampy and you have that real
1: severe back pain, you know that lower back pain, that actually getting up and moving is one of the best antidotes for that. It really is. is. Sitting in it is a lot tougher then go to the gym and and just having a good
0: stretch. Yeah. If you don't want to do the big, heavy, massive workouts, you absolutely don't have to. The whole point of this is that you go with how you are feeling. But if you can get off the sofa, just even if it's just start with the stretching, because it does make a massive difference. And then once you've done the stretching, you might actually feel a bit better. And then you might venture towards a dumbbell. You will get there, but just try, try and get your body moving because it does actually help. Sorry to interrupt, but I know that you would really like a baby, so I want to let you know about my training plans, all of which are designed around supporting you on your trying to conceive journey. I understand that so many of you are fed up with trying to lower your BMI alone, you feel confused and overwhelmed with the information around Fitness for Fertility, and you really just want a baby. My training plans are designed to support you at whatever stage of your journey you're at, I can help you manage your BMI, I can support you with meal plans to help you with your nutrition, and I'm always around for advice and support. Head over to fitnessfertility.com forward slash training for fertility to find out more, or book in for a free consultation at fitnessfertility.com forward slash free consultation to discuss your very own personal fertility needs. And now, back to the show. So we've gone through our first
1: couple of weeks as we start moving towards ovulation. I'm assuming oestrogen is going to start rising. Mm -hmm. It's all about getting that egg ready. So what should you be doing at this part of your cycle?
0: I love the foods at this part of the cycle. Like you said, oestrogen is peaking and there are particular foods that you can eat to kind of nourish you and support your ovulation. We're going to focus on anti-inflammatory foods. So you've got things like blueberries, which I adore, blackberries, vegetables, almonds, avocado, uh, potatoes are really good here. They will help give you lots of energy as well. Things that are rich in vitamin D. And folic acid are also really good during this phase. And when it comes to nice, healthy fats, try and stick to your monounsaturated and your polyunsaturated fats. Obviously, we're trying to have a nice, healthy plate of food. We're getting in all the key groups. But also, if you can, aim for foods that have a low GI, which is a low glycemic index. How can you tell if a food has a low glycemic index? The glycemic index is a really interesting rating system and it's for foods that contain carbohydrates. And what the glycemic index shows is how quickly each food affects your blood glucose level when it's eaten on its own. That might sound like a little bit of a weird way of phrasing it, but when you eat a plate of food or when you pair foods up with each other, that can make a difference. So that's just something to be aware of. But your high GI foods um, are things like sugar, your white bread, your potatoes, your white rice. So your white foods tend to be high GI foods. Your low GI foods tend to be brown pasta, brown bread, those types of foods. So they're they're kind of opposite end of each other. The way I always think about it is that
1: the lower GI foods, the ones that you're encouraging during ovulation, Uh are the ones that have like more fiber in them. It takes longer for them to break down and therefore release all of their energies. A lot of people are using glucose monitors now. There are a small patch that you can put on your arm and it came out of the diabetic community because obviously they have to monitor their blood sugar constantly. And there's loads of interesting stuff online about people that are literally eating an almond and then checking their sugars, you know, <laughs> 15 minutes later and then eating a handful of almond flour, for example, or crushed almonds and seeing if there's differences. And there is.
0: There oh, is wow.
1: differences because... If you take the almond example, if you take an almond that has its brown skin on it, it's really chewy, sorry, it's really dense and it's you're chewing it and you're trying to break it down and your body can only do so much with it and they can only break it down so far. It's fibrous and therefore it doesn't spike your blood sugar because your body can't actually extract that much sugar from it.
0: Ah, very interesting.
1: But if you have powdered almond... Well, all of the fibre's been smashed out of it, and therefore your body can access mm. that sugar really quickly. So, th- there's interesting. really interesting work being done on, on glycemic index as a result of people having glucose monitors. Another great example of it would be eating an orange or drinking a, a glass of orange yeah. juice, and you know mm-hmm. where you're going to spike.
0: I know where we're going with this one. Exactly. And interestingly, when I was pregnant with uh, Lucum and I, two year old, in the middle of COVID, I would like to point out they suspected I had gestational diabetes which was very interesting and quite the shock, I'm not going to lie. So I ended up having to do a lot of blood sugar monitoring with the finger prick test. By one point on the scale, they thought I had gestational diabetes. And I'm still raging about this, as you can tell. But it was very interesting, eating foods, checking my blood sugar. And it, it did help me to eat more mindfully as well, You know, if I was hungry, what I was snacking on, that type of thing. So just having that data It gets a little bit addictive, actually. Well, you can get down a deep, dark YouTube
1: tunnel with glycemic index and and, and glucose monitors. Around the time of ovulation, you want those nutritious foods. How should we be working out?
0: you should be feeling pretty awesome right now. Your oestrogen has elevated. And I have had clients in the past who actually around ovulation didn't feel that good. But in theory, you should be feeling pretty awesome right now. So again, this would be a part where you can lift heavy, you can be working out intensely in the gym, and again, really going with how good you are in theory feeling at this point. I think for some people... Their hormones kind of peak so much that they end up just feeling quite rubbish and then they have to lay off the exercise a little bit. But in theory, this is you feeling awesome. So again, you can really go for it in the gym. During one day every
1: month, the ovulation day, I used to feel horrendous. And only in retrospect, I would look back and go, oh, yeah, you know, I ovulated that day. You know you know when you've had a really rubbish day at work or you've been really rubbish with your partner you came back 2 weeks from your period and you've gone Oh, yes. That's why I was knee deep in a bottle of wine, hating everyone.
0: Yeah, there we go.
1: So we've moved through, we're past day 14 if we're doing a standard cycle.
0: What phase are we going to go into? What should we change in our eating? So we're moving into the luteal phase. This is the bit where your oestrogen starts to drop. You've had that lovely peak around, or not so lovely peak in some cases, but you've had that peak around ovulation. Your oestrogen now starts to drop and this is where your progesterone starts to increase. And the idea is your body's preparing for pregnancy. It's building up the lining of the uterus. So hopefully you can get a nice fertilised egg that gets nice and comfy. This is a really important time to nourish your body as well as you can. So we're looking at lovely things like brown rice. Oily fish are really, really good here. Pulses are really good here. Again, magnesium-rich foods, things that might help fight fatigue, are really useful here. Dark chocolate's back, we love that. Pumpkin seeds are back. Your body's really working hard to prepare for a pregnancy. It's building up the lining of the womb. This is quite a labour-intensive stage, and you really just want to nourish your body as nicely as you can. Your body also tends to use more fat for energy protein is broken down at a higher rate at this stage as well so you need to make sure that you're eating the fats you're eating the proteins and your body's working hard so work with your body don't do any extreme fast nourish your body here and help it i don't know if you get this maria but i would get this towards the end of my luteal
1: phase just before i started getting my period i would have one day that i would eat everything i could see in order to create progesterone, your body needs glucose. So this is why mm-hmm. during this part of your cycle, you are more prone to fall off your diet. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not falling off your diet. This is a classic reason why we have to give ourselves some wiggle room mm-hmm. because you want to produce progesterone for all the lovely reasons that we've talked about before, for building up the lining of the uterus to make sure there's somewhere for that egg to go. But it's also for your sleep, for your mood, for your Mm. balance, for your energy, anxiety. Mm -hmm. If you don't have enough gesture and your anxiety starts going through the roof, Mm -hmm. your cortisol goes through the roof. So it is hugely important not to berate yourself for having those sweet things. Just try to control what the sweet things are. If you're really focused on your BMI and you really Mm. just don't want to come off even for a day or two, then just fill up on the good whole foods that Mm. are sweet, the dates, the raisins, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. This is where this idea of being mindful is so key because if you are genuinely hungry, you are hungry for a reason. Like hunger is a thing. It's a signal to your body. There is a difference between you being genuinely hungry to you just wanting to eat a bar of chocolate. They are different things. We all have the urges, but It's that tuning into your body. This is why the tracking is so important, because you now know that because you track your cycle. And so you can say, oh, yeah, 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 it's that part. I know it's coming. If you know it's coming, make sure you've got dates in. Make sure you've got the blueberries in, because we understand BMI is really important. If you track, you can be prepared. You know it's coming. It's going to come every four weeks. So it helps you be organized. We've been kind of consistently
1: throughout this month working quite hard. How are we training now for the luteal phase?
0: This is where you are going to slow things down. It's probably going to happen quite naturally because your body is working hard here. So quite often your energy levels will be a bit lower. And it's things like, let's say you can deadlift 50 kg normally. And normally that's quite comfortable. In this phase, that 50 kg might feel more like 55. It's just that because your body's working really hard already, things tend to feel harder even when you're lifting the same. The run might just feel harder, even though you've done the route a hundred times. Don't feel guilty. It's like being in battery saver mode. You're already working really hard. You're just trying to get through the next kind of week or so. You can still train. You can still work out. Try to avoid irritating. It sounds like a funny thing to say, but try to avoid irritating the uterus too much. Try to avoid any twisting and ab workouts if you are trying to conceive. This is the end phase of your cycle, but for most people, they will recognize this as the two-week wait. So you've got so much going on in this two weeks, both with your hormones, but also just with the psychology of trying to conceive. It can just be a really difficult time. Go lighter on the weights, go less hard on the runs, really enjoy the stretching to try and lower the cortisol, because for a lot of people, they will be feeling quite stressed.
1: Yeah, and definitely take your rest days. And actually, if you've done all the hard bits, you're, you're absolutely entitled to chill out a little bit. You've got you've got a lot on your plate.
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah, you do. No athlete trains 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10 every day, because you'll just get injured and you'll burn out and you won't be able to walk the next day. Go with your cycle. Like you've just said, rest days are incredibly important. Allow your body to recover. Hopefully you're then pregnant and then you can move on to pregnancy workouts. But Just go with your body and track, not just track
1: your cycle, but track your mood, track
0: if you felt particularly hungry,
1: if you felt particularly sore, particularly moody. (laughs) Just like I said, with Mm. the ovulation thing, it just, Mm. I only would ever realise it in retrospect. I don't know how many times it had to happen to me for me to realise it in (laughs) retrospect, but oh yeah, that, yeah, oh, that was it, yeah.
0: Every time. Every time. It's like you've been doing this for 30 years. I mean, how? How has it taken me 30 years and I still don't know this? Every time. Just record
1: (laughs) it. Just record your mood. Record how you feel. It's a shock. It's a surprise.
0: It was like a plot twist for Every time.
1: Every (laughs) time.
0: Hey, we've got a lot. We've got a lot to think about as women. You know, there's a lot going on. (laughs) I know, but
1: I think I was as guilty as anybody (laughs) else by writing off the impact Of the hormones. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, you really feel like, no, but I'm in charge. You know, (laughs) I'm in charge of this ship. Oh, you're not. No. In reality, it's just the hormones going, we're spiking. Therefore, we need a little bit of this
0: or we need a little bit of that. We're going to force your hand into that fridge. (laughs) Yeah, it's going in and the chocolate's coming out to go back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, it's because we've been told that they were hysterical. Women were told that they are overly emotional. We still get told that all the time. So it's no wonder that we don't want to say, yeah, I'm feeling really emotional today because my estrogen has peaked or because my progesterone has peaked. So yeah, I am feeling really emotional today and that's okay. We're never going to say that because we've been taught not to say it. There's a lot to this.
1: Yeah. And when we know better, we do better. Is there any resources that
0: that you have that can help people sort of visualise what we're talking about? I've actually put together a guide to working out and eating around your cycle. I partly did it for me because I want to be able to track it and I want to be able to use it. Then I realised it would be really useful for everybody. So if you pop over to my website and click on free things, there's lots of free things on there. But one of them is free guide to working out, eating around your cycle. And it just summarises everything we've been talking about today. We'll put a link to the website in the show notes, so just click down below. The other thing that's really worth considering here is make sure you sign up with a PT who actually understands women's fertility and someone that can help you plan across the cycle. There will be some PTs who are more than happy to talk about this. There will be some PTs that won't go anywhere near this. For any PT that
1: you are working with understands that what you want to achieve is different and that your menstrual cycle is key
0: to your success. Yep. Menstrual cycle should be in the middle. You should start with that and then you work around that and use it to your advantage. We're not putting up with this. We're using this as a superpower and we are using it to get the best possible results. So, talk about getting the
1: best possible results and getting the best possible advice.
0: We are working with the Fertility Show Live. So, the Fertility Show is returning to London's Olympia on the 20th and the 21st of May this year. And it's a one of a kind event. It brings together top fertility experts. You've got clinics, you've got doctors all under one roof. And it's your opportunity to come and meet with specialists in the area of fertility. You can ask all your questions in a really safe and discreet environment and really get support on your trying to conceive journey. And we're going to be there as well. So you get to meet us in person and we get to meet you in person. I am so excited. One of my clients has already bought tickets, actually, and it will be the first time that I have met her in real life. It's a really important event for lots of our listeners, but it will also be nice to meet people face to face. And I am looking forward to that. Absolutely. And in preparation for the Fertility Show, we will be interviewing some of the exhibitors and some of the fertility ambassadors in the coming weeks And next week, we will be starting with Tia Brown. She is a fellow infertility warrior. She is a fertility show ambassador, and she has been through her own very tough, but also very interesting fertility journey. So make sure you tune in next Friday to hear Tia's story. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week, and please rate, comment, and really importantly, share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help.
1: This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend you consult your doctor before beginning any exercise and nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.